Chats with Larry is a podcast of phone call conversations of me with my best buddy, Larry Keene. Larry is a retired minister and sociology professor, and he has the biggest heart of anyone I know. I'm Rabbi Brian, an ordained rabbi who heads religion outside the box, where I create great spiritual faith religious content for intelligent digital age seekers like you. People of all religious affiliations of none and everyone in between. I decided surreptitiously to record my chats with Larry with the hope that he would later give permission so that you might enjoy listening in. As you can deduce, Larry gave his blessing. Enjoy as we talk about philosophy, religion, sociology, and life. With love, I'm Rabbi Brian. On today's Rabbi Brian Chats with Larry, four things. One, Black Lives Matter. Two, church denominations and their take on life after death and the divinity of Jesus. Three, how Brian and Jane met. Four, deciding to be nice. What's the author's name again? David Forrest Wallace. He wrote a book called Infinite Jest, and we did a quote of his today at the service, and it was it was just, it's a great quote. It's just a great quote. I'll send it to you. The idea in it is that he says there's no such thing as atheism. We all worship something. It's just a question of what. And if you worship your body, you're going to be disappointed. If you worship your intellect, you're going to be always afraid of being made a fraud. And you worship money and power, you'll never have enough. It's a great quote. I can't wait for you to see it. But I had two things I wanted to ask you. So one, in the service today, I pointed out that behind me, on my on my door, I put up a Black Lives Matter poster. Yeah. And I got I got comments from people afterwards. And I'm just I'm I'm you know. Uh, when you see something so clearly and you, and and you just can't see how other people don't see it. Yeah. And, and I got an email from someone said, you know, I, I find for black lives, but how about Jewish lives? Jewish lives matter also. And I said, I wrote back, Jews aren't being shot. I just can't get my head around it. Larry. Well, you know, let me give a real quick reaction to what you just said. First, what does it tell me? It tells me, first of all, the people who say that do not have any intimate relationships with black people. So they don't have a clue as to the hell that they've gone through for 400 years. Yeah. I mean, the absolute living hell and Jews can relate to it because they've. Yeah. But but, but I'm getting, but I got from, from a a woman who said she, she wrote me yesterday or the day before said, Hey, rabbi, not a woman. I know very well. What do you think of black lives matter? And I wrote back, Sarah, does air matter to you? I'm like, why are you asking me Black Lives Matter? Of course, Black Lives Matter. And she said, well, Rabbi, I know said that the organization had, was anti-Israel. And I wrote back, I said, you know, we've all made bad mistakes. I'm not talking about the organization. The organization doesn't feel that way anymore. I'm talking about three words, Black Lives Matter. And ask that rabbi if they don't support the Black Lives Matter movement. Are they donating to the NAACP? Like, how are they helping if they're not doing, I'm, I'm sick of Jews not supporting black people. And the history is back in the 60s, they were the strongest supporters. Yeah, but it was also that was because there was something in it for us. Probably. Because we got into the country clubs once once affirmed, once that once blacks got got mm-hmm. rights, then Jews got into country clubs. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I, that's we owe it to. Like, you want to be upset that nobody in Poland? I'm sorry, I'm just on a titter. You want to be upset that the, no one in Poland stood up for the Jews? Why the fuck are you not standing up for the blacks right now? Yeah. Oh, am I mad? Of all people, of all people, you would think would stand up, 
for people who've been maligned. I put a sign up in my outside my window. It said for for a queer a gay flag. And nobody has said, well, why don't you put up something for straight people, too? Nobody dares to say that. Yeah. But they'll say it when I got a Black Lives Matter sign on. Oh, I'm I'm fuming. It, it's clear that racism is real in our country. And so much of it is subtle. Right. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Most insidious. Right. Is that they, they are. And I don't. I heard a guy named Jay Smooth and he said, well, we need to look at racism. We have to say. It's not that you're a racist. It's like you just said something that is racist, like you got a little broccoli stuck between your teeth. It's no big deal. You just got some broccoli between your teeth. You just said something that was a little bit racist. No problem. Let's move on. Well, you know, you know when the racism expresses itself through power centers like the police, where the consequences of racism in that context is often so great. I mean, if I'm a racist as a preacher... Or as a school teacher or something like that, the consequences are less life threatening and more time time enduring. The consequences of my racism will will you know last for a long time. But if a but if a policeman, it's a whole different thing. It's instant and it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it. And if it was just once, that's an accident. It was two or three times. Well, that's unfortunate. They need to watch themselves better. But when it's ha happened scores of times, yeah, not only over the years, but within a short span of time, when they start listing the names, the litany of people who've been killed that are black by police people. And then forget it, not even just the yeah. people who are killed. Let's look at the number of people in prison. Yeah. It's, 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 it, 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 unequal justice. Uh, it just drives me. If they don't get it, if they have to ask the question, there is something seriously wrong with their soul. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I know this because I used to teach math and I taught the same thing four periods in a row. And by the fourth period, I would think, well, why don't they know this? I already told them three times. <laughs> yeah. They just don't know it yet. And I got to be as patient with them as I was with the first group. Yeah. No, it's, that's but right. I'm not feeling the patience right now. What did you feel when you canceled meditation and went? To the streets of Portland the other day. What, what did that? What was that like? Yeah, it's just did that's you, the right thing to do. That? Yeah, no, that, yeah. I didn't have any feeling. I, I who was there? Who was? Oh, there? was the NAACP we led a march? March in Portland. Thousands of people there. No police escort, which was good. Uh, although the the um, Department of Homeland Security was out guarding a building, and we all walked past. Like, what you do? You think we're going to hurt your building? Man, mm -hmm. What is wrong with well, you? There's some stupid knuckleheads that have been doing that. And that's what's going to cause the Democrats this election. If the voting public sees that the streets of major cities in America are unsafe anymore, they're going to turn toward the Republicans. Well, that's my, my father-in-law called me this morning and he said, well, why can't why don't they just stop? the? Why don't they just arrest the people who are? Why don't they put them in jail for a while? And I said, because it doesn't get to the the source of the problem. The problem isn't the protesters. The problem is the unequal justice. That's the problem. They went into the, the, the mayor's condo complex last night. And I get how it's going to get spun. Yeah. The thing that's so hard is when injustice is, is rife, when injustice is rife, as it is in America right now, one of the consequences of living in a world that's unjust, and you're the the one that suffers the consequences of the unjust, you just, one of the emotions you feel is anger. I mean, frustration, there's a whole lot of emotion 
but one of them is anger. And when people are angry, sufficiently angry, they act in a way that's not in their best self-interest. Well, so that that's where I would and stupid stuff like that. that but just, I, I get it. I also get it. I, if I want a TV, I can buy a TV. I haven't been put down by the system so much that I feel like I need to loot and riot. Right. Exactly. Because I got privilege and I can look down on. I, there are people looting pampers, for God's sakes. You don't loot pampers unless you're desperate. Like, come on. I know it. Oh, can you give me some advice on this? I'm part of the clergy, interfaith clergy, Portland resistance group. And we stand out there and we go to all to all the protests. And I need I need some advice, Larry, is we stay out there past like there's always the peaceful protests and then it changes. And there's a you can tell when it changes. And I don't want to be out there when it changes, not just for my safety, but I do not want to condone it. And it's been happening for 80 enough days that I know when it's happening. And I don't think we should be condoning it. You're absolutely right. I, I line up behind you. And in the 60s. You had the Martin Luther King people who were like you, me, that dressed nonviolence. But you had groups like SNCC, I think it was CORE. There were some others, the one that was really violent. They were the ones that shouted, burn, baby, burn. And people like John Lewis and Martin Luther King and people like that had to just really fight those people who were saying, burn, baby, burn, because they said that would destroy the civil rights movement. Yeah. And to the extent that it, continued, it did destroy it. And it was the hardest thing for the nonviolent people to take the cause back again from the, you know, the, the radical people. Let me ask a question. So yesterday at the march, a whole hospital complex, Providence Medical, they, they had their, their employees all with shirts, all mar- not all of them, but they had a contingent, hundreds of people from Providence were marching. Where's the church? Why are the churches not all out in mass I don't get it. How do we fix this? Preachers lack courage. The the churches are controlled to a large extent by conservatives, unless you're a member of MCC and church. Okay. Yeah. And some disciples churches uh, who would be in that group. Some Methodist churches would be in the progressive. I don't see a, a moral voice. Well, I do among my clergy friends, but as I said, they're they're all staying out into the. Not all of them are staying out into the violence. I got to talk to them. I got to talk to them. I say I can't. I can't. You won't see the Baptists. You won't see most of the Lutherans out there. No, I haven't you seen many see Catholics. Community churches. No, no, they no. Call themselves a community church or a Bible church. No, no. They won't be out there. The conservative theology. The only moral thing that the conservatives are in favor of is anti-abortion <laughs> and uh, being against gay. They claim that that's moral. I don't get it, Larry. But equal justice. They don't see that as an, a moral issue. They're just blind and they're right. families that way. And I, I got into some arguments with people. Jacob Blake was not holding a gun. He got shot seven times. I know it. And I put it up on Facebook. I put up him and the boy. I don't even want to say the boy's name. I put them up side by side. I said, one of them slept in their own bed at night and one didn't. One shot people and one was shot. Yeah. And, and people came on me. Well, you know, Jacob Blake had warrants. He had a possession. He had a, a prior felon. But I don't care what any of his past was. He wasn't doing it. He, he, he wasn't. He was shot in the back. 
He didn't have a knife. Well, there was a knife in the car. Fuck that. Let me tell you a shot in the backstory. Tell me. In the 60s, uh, there was uh, some conservative county in the South in Alabama or Texas or something. There was this activist that was found shot in the fields a, a dozen times in the back. And the sheriff, seeing the scene for the first time, said, and I kid you not, worst case of suicide I've ever seen. Oh, for fuck's sake. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And the sheriff said that, not tongue in cheek. No, it it expressed his opinion. That was going to be his report. You know, there's a great uh, uh, Mark Twain said, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. People hold on to their opinions and they think that their opinions are right. But then again, I think I'm right. Who are the churches? What are the churches that your clergy group represent? Uh, I don't know all of them. I know there's some disciples. I know there's MCC. There's some United Church of Christ. Yeah. And then UCC, uh, UCC, the Metropolitan Community Church, the gay church. Yeah. More more rabbis represented than (laughs) you would imagine. We're proportionally uh, we're, we're there. And I would be surprised if there were any Presbyterians. I don't know. But. Or Lutherans there. There wouldn't be any Baptists, of course. There might be some. There Methodists might be there. some Baptists, just not Southern Baptists. The Northern Baptists are a lot like disciples. Yeah, very liberal. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question about all the d- different denominations. Is it more... Like whose clubhouse you're more comfortable hanging out in? Like what? At what point is it not the theological differences? And it's just uh, I like I like these people because they come from the same towns that my people came from. Well, I don't know how to answer that. I do know that the this, uh, sociological part of that question has is very powerful determinant as to where one chooses to go. For instance, I know an awful lot of people who are pretty well educated. That will attend the Episcopalian Church. It's pretty. Because it relates to their heightened status. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a status thing. And they swallow some of the theological differences, (laughs) you know, that they don't particularly, that they think are silly or whatever. And so the the club consciousness that you're talking about is really strong. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I don't think I don't think most Jews know the the platforms behind their congregations. Uh, so we got the same thing going. You, I think you have the same thing going. And uh, I don't know if uh, if the Reformed Jews represent a higher social class than the Orthodox. Uh, would no, you say I, normally they would? Uh, I don't think I could say such a thing. Uh, more accepted in mainstream society, I'd say that. Yeah, yeah. I'll bet there's been some sociological studies of, Every, of that yeah. among the... How about with um, like a, a, a simple little topic like life after death? Everyone's on the same page is there or no? Hmm. Let me think about that a second. So I know you have said, Brian, when I die, I die. I'm not going. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I, that's that's clearly my feeling. And I think that that is the result. Um, here's the deal. Let's say in a disciples church, I can speak to that. People that are well-educated would tend to line up with me. People that are not. Interesting. Would not. So I think that within a denomination, you have variations. If you want to talk theology. Yeah. When I did my study in 1979 of the disciples, the independent Christian church, Uh and the churches of Christ, I studied 5,000 ministers across the study. Wow. The United States, a lot of ministers. And that many 
elders. So it was the study of ministers and elders in the three uh-huh. groups. The elders are the spiritual lay leaders of the congregation. Right. And if you're a member of the Church of Christ, typically congregations would have two or three elders. If you're a member of the independent Christian church, they would typically have six to eight elders. Uh-huh. If you are a member of the Disciples Church, congregations would have a minimum of a dozen, 12. So, you know, in the three groups, if you asked for answers to things. Uh, okay, so, so forget, forget life after death. How about just the divinity of Jesus? They would all say, yes, that he is divine, but they would, the two conservative groups would say that he was, he was God incarnate. And in the more liberal wing, the disciples, there's a lot of conservatives in the disciples' church, and they would line up with them. But those that are more liberal would see him as a man through whom God was more powerfully revealed. So you gave me a phrase. You said, you said Brian, I, I, I don't know if you said it about yourself, but you said about being a pre-Easter Christian. That the stories of Jesus up until the resurrection, are those are all fine. But I, after that, it's a... Those are all faith statements, right. not fact statements. Right, 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 right. And in the disciples, in your movement, would people, would they describe themselves as, as a pre-Easter, like we're, we're, and then not after that? I mean, how, how, did, how did that come to be? Well, see, the disciples, they're a funny bunch. One of the characteristics of the disciples that makes them attractive on the one hand also makes it difficult to be one. And that is they'll embrace a lot of variation. Right, right, right. You know, their theological variations. No, I'm fine with that. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That means that's, that's so my language. Say, what do disciples Right, no, I got you. I got yeah, you. That's yeah. everyone asks me, what is, what do Jews believe? Or people, and it's and like. You have a little bit of the same. Oh, we we got we got yeah. two Jews will two we'll have one Jew will disagree with themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have two two Jews. You have three opinions. At least, yeah. at least, it's, it made it hard to lead a group. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why I marvel at the way you handle your Saturday morning group because there, I'm sure there's a variety of people, but my guess is over time. They more reflect your sense of things. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The, my my <laughs> detractors, my detractors don't come back. Yeah, right. right. Of course, and there's coming to be a really beautiful core group of people. Yeah, who yeah. are getting to who really are getting to know each other in a in a very sweet way. And that's what you have hoped for for years, actually. Yeah, that you could do that over the airwaves. I yeah. just needed a pandemic to make it happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a godsend. No, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, and here's something funny. All of the rats, so the high holidays, the Jewish high holidays are coming up in the end of September and everyone's running them online because they can't do them in person. And I've, I keep saying to them, I've been waiting for you guys to catch up to me. <laughs> yes. But most of them are doing the services. They've pre-recorded them or are pre-recording them now. I think it's just a shame when you have the ability to interact with people live. I don't want to watch a well-produced television show. I want yeah. uh, unless it's well-written <laughs> and well-acted. I don't think I want to watch a, a religious. Well, it, well, we'll find out. Mine's going to be live with yeah, with live people. Oh, and I got some fun ideas. I tell you, do you remember years ago after I first had left the temple and you and Virginia came and. Don and Ed, I think, were their names, came. I did a program at the temple called Dadanon. I pretended it was a 12-step meeting. 
uh, that everyone who had arrived was coming because they had a hard time dealing with the notion of God. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to play play with that a little bit on the high holidays this year and make it about uh, forgiveness. Oh, tell me, did the book arrive that I sent you yet? Not yet. Oh, We're come on now. Later today, it might come. To- I cannot wait for you to start reading it. I'm anxious to do it, too. What are you going to do this weekend? You're going to get away with the family? Or- no, Jane and Annie are away and Emmett and I are bachelors. So, um, oh boy! So, anything special? Planned? First order of business was calling my best buddy to talk. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, no, we're gonna just we're gonna just lounge around in our undies. Tell me, has you've been such a great cook through the years? Has Emmett or Annie taken up that? Annie yet? is she has the same compulsion I have. You come over, the two of us want to feed you. Oh, Emmett could eat cardboard. He doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it surprises me a little bit. It's He does not. He has no pension. I was making him cook once a week and he did it with such, such a bad, such. It, it was just, Emmett, stop. I'll just do it. You, I can't. I can't make it was so lackluster, his performance. But I do like him. Had you done it all your life? I mean, as a young No, man. I learned how to cook. Uh, first year of rabbinical school was the first time I ever lived somewhere where I didn't have food service. College, oh, I had food service. My my roommate, mm-hmm. my housemate, and, and he was from Louisiana, from New Orleans. We could go out to eat and he could replicate something. He just knew how to cook. Wow. And he taught me not to be afraid and how to cook. And I've just been doing it ever since. Well, and Jane has been happy <laughs> Jane, Jane, to, Jane, to Jane. You do it. well, she, she would also eat cardboard or pizza. She, she is, <laughs> she's a Philistine. She has no taste whatsoever. Oh my goodness. But I do love her. Uh, I know. I know. Virginia doesn't cook either. She had no skills at all at the, yeah, in the right. kitchen. Never. I, she's the best cook in the world. You, just, you should marry that girl. Uh, I did. And not this weekend, but the next. That's right. Cause that's our. 63rd on the 5th of November. That is impossible, Larry, because she is still 47 years old. She's still 47. Looks, looks at 60. How many years? 63. 1957. Unbelievable. And that the same date is the date that Jane and I met 25 years ago. We met on her 5th. Uh huh. That's, that's when we met. That's the day you met on her birthday. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was, was it love at first sight or interest at first sight? Well, you know, with 25 years, the story has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was over at a friend's house. It was a friend had mononucleosis and I I called Jane had delivered her food and I had called that night and said, I can bring enough food for the three of us. And I get to the door at Blackburn Avenue and I ring the doorbell. There's a warbly glass. Noah lives in one of the apartments above. And that's my friend. And Jane comes down the stairs. But I think it's Noah coming down the stairs because of the warbly glass. And I see Noah, who I think was Noah, open the door. And I'm about to yell at her. Why are you out of bed? You shouldn't be out of bed. But it's Jane. And she says, oh, my goodness. It's so fabulous to finally meet you. And she gives me a big hug. And I oh, that would, I that would didn't, my attention. I, it caught my attention and scared the crap out of me. <laughs> And that evening you proposed to her. Uh, no, I broke up with her. But we dated and then I broke up with her. Oh, you did? I was so scared. I was too scared. I couldn't do it. I, I knew where it was heading. And I was like, ah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. She, she. And you I didn't tell her that. 
Oh, yeah, I did. You, you said, I'm breaking up to you because I'm falling in love. No, it was also, it was, we were dating, and it wasn't until I broke up with her that she stopped putting on makeup, started just wearing overalls and being herself, and I could stop doing magic tricks and trying to be charming and just be myself, and then we could fall in love. Oh, that's it. And that timeless classic. You, and you've been yourself since. That's, uh, <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't want to be anyone else. Oh, I do want to throw you a compliment. I was talking about you. Uh, just yesterday to our friend Bill, the priest here. Yes. And I said, you know, when I met Larry Keene, I thought that is the nicest man I have ever met. He is kind to everyone and fuck him. I want to be that kind. Oh, dear. Without the expletive, obviously, in your yeah. telling of it. <laughs> but I thought if he can be that kind, it's that thing you taught me. It's not you don't have magic powers. <laughs> just decide to do just it. Just decide to. And that was the other thing. And I talked about that this morning in the service. I said the ass kicking you gave me about having to make a decision to have hope has changed my life. That was a month ago. And I have not been the same person since. Well, bless your heart. And it's it's a revelation to me as I keep teaching myself over and over again. Yeah. That how easy things are once you make that decision. Yeah. Yeah, uh, to not be afraid to decide and then and to cut cut away it. the negative thoughts, not that yeah. negative thoughts, but the cynicism. It, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't serve me. Yeah, oh, boy. Amen. Absolutely. Amen to that for sure. Have a great weekend, Brian. Uh, in case I ha- haven't fun. told you, I love you. I love you too, my friend. I'll talk to you later. Stay well. We'll do. Stay well, Brian. Bye, buddy. Bye. That was this week's episode of Chats with Larry. Please, before you listen to another episode or do something else, think about two friends who might enjoy listening to this and send them a text or email right now. Tell them to listen to Chats with Larry. Thanks to Steve Koch, my producer. There will be another episode next week. And thanks to all of you who donate and support to Religion Outside the Box. Religion Outside the Box can be found at ROTB.org. On the website, you can sign up for the 77% weekly My Spiritual Religious Faith Message delivered to your inbox 40 out of 52 weeks a year. You can shop at the Etsy store for great religious spiritual faith creations. Learn more about the Saturday service and stop on by some Saturday 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for a live streamed dog free religious service open to everyone. And a special thanks to Virginia Keene and as always to my BFF, Larry Keene. I love you, buddy.